And on this week's episode of Everyday Inspirational Podcast, I will be speaking to the lovely Jessie Bradley, who is a former professional soccer goalkeeper who shares his story about overcoming tragedy and finding hope and healing. He is a speaker, author, podcaster and pastor in Seattle. He has played soccer in America, Scotland and Zimbabwe. He is a graduate of Dartmouth College in Psychology and Dallas Theological Seminary in Theology. He is married with four kids, a dog and a new hamster. He is an author of three books and connects with people from all nations. And his inspirational story is all about From Tragedy to Triumph. Okay, so welcome Jess to the Everyday Inspirational Podcast. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do? Thank you, Sam. Great to meet you. I'm inspired by your story. I'm honored to be here on the podcast. And uh, yes, currently I live in America. I'm in Seattle, which is the Pacific Northwest. Uh, We have a little snow right now. So we have four seasons here. I lived in Scotland as well. I lived in Aberdeen and played football there. And I'm excited to connect with you. I was a professional soccer player. There was a tragedy in my life. Unexpectedly, I changed careers, ended up being a pastor, and I'm married. I have four children, three biological, one adopted. We have a dog named Bella, and we just added a hamster named Kiwi. I love that. And so can you tell um, our listeners your inspirational story today? Thank you, Sam. I want to start in the darkest place, in the valley, in the most difficult moments. And after I was playing soccer in Zimbabwe, this is in Africa, I had a prescribed medication. I was taking it weekly and it built up toxic levels in my system after a season. And the doctors there didn't know what the cause was. They were puzzled. They sent me back to America because my health was declining. And I started to see physicians here. And they didn't really have answers, but we paid out of pocket, went to Stanford, a top uh, hospital. And the physician said that one possibility could be side effects of the medication. And in my heart, I just knew that that was the problem. Now, I had a wide range of symptoms. I had migraine headaches, and I never have headaches, sweats and chills, lost regulation of my body temperature. The most serious, in addition to double vision, the most serious symptom was with my heart. And tachycardia is a racing heartbeat, 160 beats a minute sitting still. The drug inhibits the inhibitors. Also an atrial flutter, which is another abnormality, skipping beats, a heart murmur, and pain in the left side of my chest. That lasted for a year. And I was fighting for my life for a year. And doctors didn't know if I would make it. It ended my career. In addition, the drug also produced side effects like wild and crazy dreams. Uh, There was uh, panic attacks. There were panic attacks in addition to anxiety, depression I had never experienced before, even suicidal thoughts in my mind that I had to almost stop and say, no, this isn't right. I don't want that. But uh, it was waves of emotions that were caused by the drug. And Some doctors would say, oh, this is mainly in your head. Others would see the physical symptoms and say that, you know, you don't have a heart problem. So there's really nothing we can do in terms of surgeries, procedures, or we don't want to give you any medications. The doctors wanted me to take the drug for another month. And I said no against their advice. And we sent my blood to the center of disease control. And they confirmed 
the toxicity. So the drug's called Larium. It's a controversial drug, half-life of a month that lasts in your system for a long time. And it took me 10 years to recover. And now uh, those were the most difficult moments of my life. Uh, before that, I had a life that was really successful in many regards, or especially on the outside. I went to Dartmouth College, which is an Ivy League school here in America. I played soccer there as a goalkeeper. Our college coach was Bobby Clark, who's a legend in Scotland, played for Aberdeen in the national team there in Scotland. Our team came to Scotland and toured, had tremendous time there. I came back and trained with Aberdeen. I also played there and played uh, for Rothis for a while. Uh, as well, and up in the Highland League, it loved Scotland, loved the people in Scotland, and I uh, still miss um, my experience there and, and the people and the culture dearly, uh, tremendous memories. And afterwards, uh, I went and played in Africa, Zimbabwe, Bulawayo, uh, Highlanders Football Club. So I was at the early point of my career, goalkeepers can play for a long time. You know, in addition to a great education, friends, it was all gone and it was traumatic. And it, it really developed, I believe that some of the best things in life can come out of the worst situations. And, and I think that is what I call grace and a gift. And some of the new habits in my life were powerful, transformative, life-giving. One of the things that I started to do was write down 10 things I'm thankful for every day. And that changed my attitude. Instead of any kind of entitlement or pride, I realized that if I'm in my right mind, if I have physical health, if I can help anyone, it's truly a gift. And I needed to focus on what I still have rather than what I've lost. If I get consumed with what I've lost, I'll be stuck and I won't move forward in life. And so I had to take notes. Sometimes it was simple as a nice meal, a hot shower, you know, a call from a friend, minor, major, any of them, I had to write them down so I could see look what I still have. And it produced that attitude of gratitude. That was a new habit, an internal habit. Another habit was I started to chart the progress because when there's a physical recovery that takes many months and years, the progress is gradual. And if you don't chart it and see it, sometimes you feel like you're not going forward. And I could see that, no, four months ago, I could only walk 10 minutes, but now I can walk a half hour. And those steps were huge. Uh, and then, you know, finally being able to get to the point a couple years later where I'm exercising and even playing soccer again on a, just a recreational, casual level. It really was gradual for me. And I was never able to really get my full health back. There were symptoms that lingered and challenges there. So I couldn't resume my professional career, but I was able to uh, start to be active again and enjoy more health. And eventually the effects of the drug we're fading over the years and charting that progress is something that's a, a great habit. Another uh, new coping mechanism for me, I came from a family where we don't really cry. I think Scottish culture is similar in some ways, like you're tough, you're rugged, you get through it, you just do things better, you apply yourself, you don't complain, you don't really talk about it, go there emotionally, you just, you know, persevere. And that's helpful in some contexts, but this was a situation where that was not going to be sufficient. And what I needed to learn how to do is to go to where the pain was. And just a little bit about my spiritual journey. I didn't grow up going to church or reading the Bible. I didn't grow up interested in God at all. In college, I took a class. It was world religions. It was the first time I ever read the Bible. The professor wasn't a Christian. He kind of undermined the scripture. But the Bible was very powerful and spoke to me. And I just thought when I looked at Jesus, I thought, who else teaches like this and the miracles and the empty tomb and the evidence and 
it really made me stop and think about that part of my life. And with all the success on the outside, I, I couldn't figure out on the inside what felt like something was missing. So I became a Christian in college, actually got involved at the Church of Scotland when I was there. Um, great badminton games in the Church of Scotland. You know, church, church was all right. The people were great. Um, it was a little more lively, maybe in the church I'm from in America, but the badminton, that was fun. That was a workout, uh, Sunday nights, everyone gathering around the church. I thought badminton was casual in the backyard until I stepped into the church of Scotland and saw badminton games. And I was like, oh, this takes it to the next level. So, um, cross training with badminton, but, but anyways, um, so what I learned to do in my recovery was give my burdens to God. And I realized people are listening, many different faith backgrounds. I want to be respectful. And there might be many listening who don't believe that God exists. So I understand that too. That was the family I, I really, I grew up in. Actually, we were kind of like in America, there's Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors of ice cream. And in my family, there's Jewish. We, we have a rabbi in my family, atheist, agnostic, Catholic, ex-Catholic, just a whole range. And we have great conversations. We love each other. Uh, really respect each other. Uh, but for me, it was new learning how to pray. And, and then my prayers initially were just intellectual. And then I learned how to really open up my heart, receive love, and give my burdens over. And that was like a weight off my shoulder. And it felt so good. And so that was another new habit for me is just kind of looking up and uh, some of that upward connection. And that just wasn't in my life. And I, I don't think I would have gone there unless I was in so much pain. And there's a lot of things in life, you know, C.S. Lewis, such a brilliant mind, uh, incredible story, great author, but he said, you know, pain is a megaphone that rouses a deaf world. And I really have found that pain has been kind of a catalyst for change in my life and for developing new habits. And some of those new habits, you know, I ended up being a pastor. I never thought I'd be a pastor as well. And some of those new habits of compassion, uh, when I would see people's pain, uh, it wasn't just that I would try to fix it or solve it, but instead, uh, how could I just kind of grieve with those who are grieving? And I think there was a new empathy and uh, just an understanding. When I hear people that are suffering either, let's say, side effects of a medication, I just know what that's like. Or if I see people suffering with panic attacks or suicidal thoughts, like I just know what it's like to be there now. So it isn't so much like fix it or get over it or um, anything quick or, or kind of callous, but instead I just um, know the pain of those situations. And I, and I wanna say today that there's really hope for anyone going through, whether it's physical, emotional, uh, there is hope your life can be rebuilt even from the ruins. I uh, had put really my identity in so many things that were there for me. And you know, my identity without even realizing it was in soccer, was in the friends, the career, the health, um, the success and the work, uh, education, a lot of different pieces that were suddenly gone. And I realized that I ultimately can't have my identity and things that can change or be gone. It had to be deeper because I really wrestled with who am I? Like if I'm not functioning really well physically, emotionally, if I'm not um, succeeding, if I'm not playing soccer, like who am I? And that's where I realized um, I found my security in God's love because that's not going to go away. And then I built my life um, around that with that foundation. And I think if you make love your foundation, that is a, a strong identity, more than performance. We have a world that measures performance, kind of grades people on performance. Sometimes our value is linked to performance. And I think that's a fallacy. And I think it's a trap because 
it either leads to pride or shame because if the system is all performance and I can do everything really well, figure out the system, check all the boxes, then I can kind of, my head can get big and I, I can go into pride. And then if I don't do it as well as I think um, it should be done or people think it should be done, then I can feel like there's failure and shame. And I don't feel like either pride or shame is the best spot to live. And I think there's other options and you kind of have to step out of this intense system of performance around your value, worth and identity. And especially as an athlete, soccer goalkeeper, there's a lot of pressure, not a lot of goals in soccer. If you make one mistake, you lose one zero and it's on the scoreboard and it's on you, you know? So I, I battled perfectionism, that kind of performance anxiety, and it's really freedom when you step out of that and you don't have to prove your worth and achieve. Now, you still want to do your best and use your gifts and go all out. I mean, that's instrumental. That's part of life. And, you know, everyone's got talents and abilities and opportunities and go for it and don't hold back. But, but there's a difference where it has its proper place and perspective. And you say, okay, I, I put it there. But at the end of the day, my life's bigger than sports. My life's bigger than performance. And that can't have really the final say in my life. So it felt like really a freedom uh, to break free from that. And uh, there was just a lot of changes. When, when your heart starts to change, um, all of a sudden you forgive people that you didn't forgive in the past. And you realize like, I don't want to be holding on to any grudges, resentment, bitterness. And I, again, some of that came back to my relationship with God, where I just knew my sins are forgiven and I want to forgive everyone fully. And it just changes your relationships. And I probably need to be, I'm someone who moves pretty fast and um, has a lot of, you know, what's the next mountain? Let's take it. And in that slowing down for me in my twenties was something that uh, I didn't want or expect, but that's where some of the greatest life lessons came for me as well. And sometimes in our culture, I think that was a new habit for me is that I want to slow down. I just, I still walk, you know, walking was a big part of my recovery and I still walk a lot. Walking is when I slow down and I think, and I listen, and uh, it's that change of pace for me. You know, our phones are, are busy, you know, notifications are happening all the time. People are calling, people can reach us in so many different ways right now. And, and you really have to guard that space and that time to step back and to listen, to slow down, and even to think through what's good today and what's the best today. And I like to listen. I'll, I'll take a little sticky note and just write down, this is what I think is most important today. And so I have it on that sticky note. It's so old school. It's so simple. There's probably not too many listeners who do this, but it works for me. And I write down what's most important. And then I watch that during the day and I guard that. And I make sure I, I stay focused on that because there's so many distractions in our culture. And I think that slowing down in my 20s helped create a place and, and even a rhythm that's carried through, uh, taking a day off work, not working seven days. Even during COVID, it felt like when the world slowed down, I kind of felt like, okay, I know what slowing down looks like. I, because of what I went through, it's like, all right, pandemic, I, I, I have a sense of kind of the pacing and the mindset. I really had to keep my mind out of the ditch uh, because I just had, there were so many negative thoughts that would flood in. And you can't control the first thought that comes in, but you can decide what you want to do with that thought. Do you harbor it? Do you embrace it? Do you entertain it? Do you stay there? Do you validate it? Or do you say, no, um, don't want it? You know, like a suicidal thought would come in. I was like, no, I, I'm loved. I'm going to recover. I'm, I don't need this. I don't want this. Life is a gift and reject it. You know, there's so many thoughts during the day. You reject those. 
it was the first time I really started to memorize some Bible verses. And those were important because they gave me the right mindset. And, you know, one verse is think about what's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. And just that memorizing that and then having that direct my thoughts to what's true and good and guarding that. So there was some new habits there that uh, part of it, you know, a lot of the battles between our ears, it really is. And it's saying no to the discouraging thoughts. It's saying no to the things that aren't true. It's saying no to the things that are mean or, you know, impure or whatever they are. And just say, nope, I'm going to, this is going to be a place that's healthy. And even when a lot of things are out of your control, like my recovery was out of my control in many regards, like it was going to take many years. The doctors didn't know if I'd even recover. Some people didn't. Some people didn't get their functioning back from this, this drug, uh, controversial drug medication prescription. But uh, even not knowing that I'm someone who likes more of a plan and control and to have so many major things up in the air really rocked my categories, you know, because I always had a plan. I always had goals and I always knew my body, the resources I had, the abilities. And now it's like, I don't know what I'm going to get back. I don't know where my life's going. But in the middle of that, I had a peace and a contentment that I discovered as well. So uh, those are some of the habits. Um, I, I realized that journey was a little bit, you know, all around, uh, all over the map. But those are some of the habits that have stood out for me. And just to share now, I love what I do. I wake up every morning excited. I get to serve the community and meet people. And we have all generations and all cultures. And, uh, and I also just see a lot of unity. I'm able to connect with about 100 churches in Seattle and just build that unity. Uh, I just, I, I love people of all backgrounds, nations, beliefs. And I just really enjoy uh, authentic stories, encouraging each other. I think stories are so powerful. And I, and I thank you, Samantha, for sharing your story, creating this podcast to share more stories. I hope it inspires people to share their story with friends, family, or maybe come on the podcast. And uh, we're all learning. We're lifelong learners. And I hope that uh, some of my journey encourages you where you're at today. And I'm glad to connect with anyone as well. Thank you, Jesse. I'm sure that my listeners will really resonate because it's such a human story that you've got um, there around the whole challenges that we face as humans. I mean, you're just specific to yours, but I think having that faith within yourself and finding that and then finding the strength within yourself um, to overcome the mental, physical, and then having something higher than yourself um, to guide you and have that as a, as a deep, deep foundation is, uh, I resonate with it um, a lot. But if there was one piece of advice that you could give to my listeners, what would it be? Uh, on a kind of light level, I would say if you're playing Football in Scotland, don't eat too many Scottish pies right after the match. You'll get this heartburn. It's hard to describe it, but it's just, it's something fierce. Uh, no, that's just um, good memories in Scotland. A little haggis, a little Scottish pies, and uh, some tea. Scotland. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, uh, hobnobs, I mean, just, uh, that, that's the kind of some hot tea. We always had hot tea in, in the locker room, which makes sense. In Aberdeen, you know, it's that driving rain in the winter. And I lost a lot of weight that season, just trying to keep warm, I think. But uh, yeah, great, great camaraderie. 
and uh, just great people, great people. Uh, you know, I would say just uh, probably don't get stuck, stay open. For me, the habits were new and they weren't planned. It wasn't like I set out like, oh, I think I want to do this and this. It was more like uh, I just started to look around, whether it's the wonder of the human body or the creation, the beauty around us. And I just started to look up and think, well, who is God and who is this Jesus? When I started um, going there emotionally, that was new for me. It wasn't, you know, again, my family wasn't one that we would talk about our pain or we would cry or we would, you know, enter in. And there's just a fullness of life there, part of the wholeness of life and sharing those emotions and just doing it in a way that's um, rational, but yet um, very human. And uh, I think the amount that I needed people and relied on people and needed the connections and the encouragement from people and uh, so many friendships um, that have come through, I think, a greater love for people. So I would just stay open, especially if it's loving, if it's good, if it's healthy. It might not be your family background. It might not be your cultural tradition. It might be new for you personally, but stay open because I think that, you know, our physical, our emotional, our relational, our spiritual, we are complex. There's many parts and they're interconnected. It's not just isolated. When I was suffering physically, it wasn't just physical. It touched on other levels. So the more we can grow in all those areas, and like I say, just learning, stay humble and learn because uh, we don't have it figured out and we're always learning. We can learn from each other. There's a lot to learn, a lot of areas of growth and we're all in the same position. We're all growing and learning. And so just be careful not to get too stuck in maybe a limited box or mindset and you miss out on some of the best things in life. I love that. I love that. That was a big lesson there. Right? Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> Let's stick to Scottish pies. Just have one or two. Don't have four or five. It's a lifetime that we're putting into 20 minutes and your journey has been physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and it's a, as you can see and listen to Jesse's story, it is about being open, it's about not putting yourself in a box, keeping your mindset free and the foundation is love so I love that, uh, I love that so on that note I just want to say thank you so much for today and joining me on this podcast and I'd just like to say thank you to my guests and listeners today. Samantha I again want to just thank you and also I mean you're living that out I mean COVID you had a pivot you started a podcast and then now you're connecting with people not just in Scotland or the UK but you're branching out and I think your story is going to encourage many, many people and there's really no limits there. So yeah, thank you for having me as a guest and also just modeling some of that vulnerability and then willingness to help other people and reach out to other people too. And uh, if anyone wants to connect with me, a real simple way is jessebradley.org, J-E-S-S-E-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y.org. And all my social media is there. And I just I love to connect. So don't be shy if, if you want to reach out. Yeah. And all the details of uh, where to contact Jesse will be below the podcast. In case you didn't catch that, don't worry. Uh, the links and everything will be uh, below this podcast. So yes. And thank you for those kind words. And yeah, I'm sure 
it's touched me um, hearing your story and inspired me. So I am 100% sure that someone out there will be listening and needing to hear that. Thank you, Sam. Okay.